Over the next few weeks, uh, we are going to, as a faith family, lean into, uh, and I want to say again a big thank you for these past four weeks, because I think conversations I had set the groundwork for the next lots of years of ministry together. Um, But we're going to lean into, these next few weeks, uh, the heart of Jesus. One of the things I heard uh, time and time again as Amanda and I have been integrated into this community is, I mean, these, these past couple years for humanity is, is rough, has been rough. These past couple years for connection has, has been a tumultuous, at sometimes shaky, at sometimes rocky ground, sometimes celebratory, uh, but, but rough couple of years. Um, and then if you zoom out even further, you take a global pandemic and uh, the transition of a lead pastor out of the equation, and you just go talk to anybody who's ever lived, ever, and you realize that life is not easy. There's just some inherent weights and hard things. And yeah, you celebrate. There's wonderful things. Uh, but overall, there's some like hard things that people have to walk through, and, and life is not easy. And a lot of times it can feel like a burden, feel weighty. And so for the next couple, couple of weeks, uh, as we approach Advent and the expectation and celebration of the arrival of our Savior Jesus, uh, we're going to lean in together about uh, the heart of Jesus and what does it mean uh, to follow Jesus' heart and to know Jesus' heart. And I think it's going to be a beautiful time uh, together. One of the things uh, for those who are still getting to know me is that I love art. I love it. Some people, in fact, we're probably, it seems very nice today, and our, uh, Miles has been uh, jettisoning the afternoon nap. So we've been trying to figure out what to do with our afternoons now that one's not laying down. And we're probably going to go on a hike today because it's a lovely day. And it seems far less windy than uh, what came through yesterday. Um, uh, and so I, I do that because I love my bride. I love Amanda. And Amanda loves being outside. I am, I've said over and over again, I love the indoors. Um, air conditioning is a beautiful thing. I love it. Um, but Amanda's far more outdoorsy, and when she goes into nature, and I'm not like saying I'm just blind to all of it, when she goes into nature, she loves seeing the, be- like, man, I had a kick poo a few weeks ago. Doug Cunningham and I were talking, the yellows that were like, it was like fireworks. So I get it. I get it. It's not for me personally, but it was beautiful. And so we're going to go take out time in nature and draws Amanda's heart and soul into worship. And I very much in the same way when it comes to going into an art museum. If you want a really, really good read that will set you down the trajectory of seeing uh, Jesus and his redemptive power uh, through the arts, um, I'm just, I've got like a chapter left in it. Uh, it's called Rembrandt is in the Wind. There's a book recommendation for you. It's beautiful. Beautiful. It talks about all these uh, classical artists, and um, that's another story for another time. My favorite, probably, at this juncture in my life, type of art is large, immersive, interactive experiences. We were in uh, Saginaw, Michigan, I think, one time, and there's an art museum in Saginaw, and uh, they had this room that was set up that you go into, and it was all this broken pottery, um, and it was just... Things that, that you walk in and you're a part of uh, really speak to my soul. And um, uh, so you can imagine how tickled I was when a couple of years ago, 
I found uh, what I'm about to show you. And this is by far one of the most evocative and arresting pieces of art that I've ever seen. And I think it's in particular because it caught me at such a time that I was uh, being weighed down by a lot of stuff. I was wrestling through the responsibilities of a lot of stuff. And I remember just, I was at home and I, I just watched it for a re- like way longer than I should have. I'm not going to put a time on it because I was like, that is me. So Matt, go ahead and um, so here, let me, let me, in the Guggenheim, uh, Chinese artists uh, Sun Wan and Peng Yu employ an industrial robot with visual recognition sensors and a software system that's specifically coded to examine our increasingly, it talks about what, it, like, what it's uh, referring to. Uh, so it's placed behind these plexiglass uh, acrylic walls, and the robot has one specific duty to contain a viscous, deep red liquid from a predetermined area. And when the sensors detect that the liquid has strayed too far, the arm frenetically shovels it back into place, leaving smudges on the ground and splashes on the surrounding walls. And so this robot is, is programmed with these sensors that uh, it's got a circle of this stuff around us, and it's constantly, the whole job is to constantly sweep it back into itself. And so, uh, you know, because liquid is, is runny, um, when it sweeps it back in on this side, and then it turns to sweep it back in on this side, uh, what's happening over here where it already swept out? Starting to spread out again, starting to go and, and inhabit its part in the area. And, and so it goes back over here and it sweeps it back into itself. And, and then, uh, but at the same time, over here, it, it's going out again. And so it has to go back and sweep it back into itself. And its entire life uh, is surrounded by trying to contain this fixed amount of liquid. If you look at pictures or or videos from like later on in its history, it's now uh, unplugged and defunct. Um, I think it, I think like 2019 is when they they unplugged it and and removed it. Um, But if you look at pictures, the walls are just splattered with this stuff. And uh, and the the actual machine itself is just caked in this grime, in this dirt, and it begins uh, to draw up. You can see there. One of the things I think was so interesting is uh, at the beginning it was really quick and really good at keeping up with itself. And so the designers of the installation uh, in programmed into the code these little dances. So when things were going really, really well, and it was like all the liquid was contained, it would uh, just do this little jig, and everyone thought it was adorable and cute. And, uh, but then you begin to see, uh, over time, as I said, it, get, it gets caked with this grime, and it's disgusting, uh, and the walls are splattered. Then you begin to see the deterioration of this thing, and over time, it just looks tired. It just looks tired because it's constantly sweeping from this side and then sweeping from this side and then sweeping from this side and then sweeping from this side and life in itself for this robot is just a big cycle like that 
constantly trying to keep up with itself. Because if it, if it stops, if it gives up, all of this liquid spreads out and gets too far away from it, and the purpose of the robot ceases to exist. And here's why this was so arresting for me. It caught me at a season of my life where I felt like I've never identified with a robot and been moved to tears before until seeing that. Because I was feeling this like weighed down and burdened sort of way. And it was like it put words without using words to the way I was feeling. See, we were purchasing a business at this time, a family business uh, for my grandparents. Um, Amanda and I were beginning to process through some vocational changes and what it meant for me to follow the calling that God has put in and on my life. Uh, Miles was, uh, had just been born. And, and here's what it felt like to me. It felt like I would wake up in the morning and the first thing I would think about is, as a business owner, okay, what payroll taxes are due? Uh, do we need to do any ordering? Okay, let's get things swept in to this side. And then we would go over here, and I said I would wake up in the morning, but that was from being awake all night because Miles was an infant. And I'd be like, okay, what do I need to do to, to parent and love an infant? And then I'd come up here and go, oh, I also have another son that I can't just completely ignore. i got to parent and love uh, Hudson. And then I'd be back here, and there'd be stuff going on at the church. And I was like, okay, i got to take students on a retreat this week, and I'd sweep back stuff over here, and then my manager at TNT Floral Shop would call me, and she'd be like, hey, Jordan, we really need your help. Something's uh, broken or on fire over here, and I will go, okay, let me take care of that, and then Amanda would call me and go, uh, Miles is, uh, is screaming, and I can't get him calmed down, and Hudson, because Miles is screaming, Hudson is also screaming, I'd be like, okay, let me come home and get this taken care of, and I'd try and calm Miles down, but I couldn't because he was hungry, and, and then I'd try and calm Hudson down, and then uh, the, the church would be like, hey, I need something from you over here, and so I'd get it swept back into this. And then uh, Lindy, our manager at the flower shop, would call me and say, hey, Jordan, I know you fixed that other thing, but this other thing is going on, and there would be squabbles between me and my business partner. And then we'd come back over here to church, and this was the cycle of my life. I'm sure you can identify with it. In fact, you can have two things going on. It's just two things. And it's, and it's sweeping in, sweeping in, sweeping in, sweeping in. Probably should have trained cardio for this because I'm getting winded already. It's a lot. It's a lot for us. And this is life. I felt like I was being flung in every direction. But life today, in 2022, is hurried and fast-paced. In fact, if this conversation did not happen and we all went out to the lobby after service and we were chatting with one another, I would wager a guess uh, that if you said, hey, how you, how you doing? The answer would probably be, busy, just busy. Just got a lot going on, just, just busy. How you doing? Just tired. Why are you tired? I'm busy. I'm busy. Uh, and it has become increasingly baked into our DNA. As, as residents of Illinois or Indiana, uh, it has become baked into our DNA uh, that this is what productivity, this is what a good life looks like. That we're constantly going around and being tossed and dragging it back in, trying to get our lives under control. And this is what it means to be a good person. To have everything contained and inside the bounds. And then one day, you die, and it's over. 
but I, I think there's some stuff about that that Jesus would look at the lives that we formed and created and go, whoa, 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 time out. I love you guys. This is not what I invited you into at all. I want to be clear. There's a lot of people with a lot of ambition in doing things, doing things, I'll let you fill in that gap with whatever you want, is not sinful. Accomplishment in itself is not sinful. To an extent, juggling different areas of your life is not sinful. But I believe with all of my heart that surely there is more to this life than the constant frantic running around trying to sweep inside of ourselves. Because our lives can very easily feel out of control. And it was in these moments that I was talking about trying to brush everything back in. Amanda and I started to have some, some real conversations about what do we want our lives to be. Because I want to say this with, with no sarcasm and not, not as like, I'm not, I'm not trying to joke around. You get to choose and determine, by and large, what you make of your life. You don't, you don't get to influence every situation that happens to you. And sometimes you have to react and respond and say, what is faithful, given this circumstance, what does faithfulness to Jesus look like? But by and large, you get, to, you get to choose how you're responding to those situations. So you get to choose the attitude in which you approach those situations. And so uh, we began to have real conversations about our life just feels so frantic. Our life feels so busy. We just feel tired all the time. We feel like we're totally out of control. But what I think Jesus is inviting us into is this life he's talking about in Matthew 11. One that's gentle, humble. One that's restful and slow-tempoed. One that the burden of living is no longer a chore to carry out. Here's what he says in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And inside the frantic mess of our lives, here's what I love about this. The, the only thing that we have to do is come to Jesus. The only thing we have to do inside of the franticness, inside of the, the hurriedness, inside of the busyness, the only thing we have to do is come to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I want to live my life uh, how you want to live, how you want me to live my life. I want to. I want to give it all over to you. The only thing we have to do is come to Jesus, because then the obligation for the rest, handing out of the the handing out of the rest, is on Jesus. He says, "Come to me, and I will give you rest." You don't have to earn rest. You don't have to accomplish your way to rest. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to deserve your way to rest. Just come to Jesus, and He will give you rest. We come to him with our weary and our tired and our worn out souls, and he gives us rest. Like I said, you don't have to qualify for it by your status, your good works, your religiosity. He just gives it to you. Pro bono. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Now, before we go further, I want to ask you the question, how attractive to you is this notion of rest? For some of you, I am sure that there is nothing that your heart and soul want more 
than a, a good Sunday afternoon nap. That sounds, that sounds pretty attractive. But I think the invitation from Jesus here is far more than just a nap or far more than just leisure or time spent going slowly. The rest that Jesus is inviting us into is saying you don't have to be worked up or or you don't have to uh, worry about accomplishing or striving. You can, through Jesus, find this rest in the satisfaction regardless of the circumstances that you are in. Someone that embodied this for me was uh, uh, Jim Martin. Jim Martin has, uh, uh, in 2020, went to be with the Lord, but uh, he was the pastor that baptized me. Uh, I had the privilege of serving on staff with him um, for three or four years uh, over in Columbia City. And and Jim was in his 80s and loved Jesus with all of his heart. And he embodied this rest from Jesus for me. It's not that his life was always easy. It's It's not that his circumstances always warranted like this peaceful demeanor that he gave to the world, but he, he knew where to put his rest. He lost uh, a child that was two years old, holding in his arms. He, he then, in adulthood, one of his uh, sons was serving in Afghanistan, and a roadside bomb went off and, and gone in an instant. Jim was not a guy that had an easy life, but he was a guy because he rested in who Jesus was that embodied and experienced this peace from God. And his tempered approach to life and his peaceful presence in the room uh, just bore witness to the fact that his life with Jesus was found in the rest that Jesus had to offer. That he he took his weariness and he took his burdens and he took them to Jesus. He said, this is all I have to offer. And Jesus said, that's all I need. Come and find rest. Then he says in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And he's actively speaking against here. Uh, I think this, what they'd refer to in the Pharisees taught is this like yoke of teaching. So take this, uh, take my yoke upon you. So don't worry about the other yokes that are being born on you, like you need to accomplish or you need to strive. Uh, The yoke he's speaking to here would have been the yoke from the Pharisees who were uh, religious teachers at the time. And what they were really, really good at is adding rules on top of rules on top of rules saying, yeah, Jesus said this, but just to make sure you do that, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And so you're going to be running around constantly worrying about your status with God, worrying about if you've done something wrong uh, to, to, to displease him or to make him not love you. And Jesus is saying, no, throw all of that aside and take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me. So study under my way of teaching. And then he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And inside of this, he says, you will find rest for your souls. Again, a bigger rest than just nap or leisure. This is a pace of life that is markedly different than what the world is selling to you. He says he's gentle and humble in heart, or some other translations say gentle and lowly in heart. And the way he would have understood heart would have been the animating center of a person. So like At his essence, at his core, by definition, Jesus is gentle and humble. Jesus is gentle and humble. Let me say it one more time. Jesus is gentle 
and humble. That is not attributes of who he is, like, oh yeah, we'll use those as uh, descriptors for him, and they can kind of plug in and plug out different other ones. No, but at his core, at his core, by definition, Jesus is gentle, and Jesus is humble. Here's what Dane Ortland says uh, about this gentleness. Meek, humble, gentle. Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh or reactionary. He's not easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. And then hear this. The posture most natural to Jesus is not a pointed finger, but open arms. He's gentle. He says he's humble. Dane Ortland says, the point of uh, saying lowly or humble is that he's accessible to us. He's accessible to us. No payment is required. He says, I will give you rest. His rest is a gift, not a transaction. So Jesus is gem- gentle where he's, uh, he's uh, kind and accepting and receiving of those who come to him. And he's, he's humble and he's lowly and he gives us this rest. He's accessible to us. He finishes it off. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So again, I ask you the question, how attractive Does this invitation of rest sound? Is your life frantically trying to juggle and keep things in order? Is your life frantically trying to manage on your own? Or is your life found in the person and rest of Jesus?